Shrek. So I'm familiar with Shrek. Here's the thing about Shrek. Did you know that it was a book? I think I did. By William DeSoto. I only knew it as far no William Steig. I only knew it as far as that. I knew someone was making just an unheard of amount of money off of all of these. Yeah. For doing that, probably and William Steig. I always think it's funny when franchises go that big, mm-hmm. and it's like I have no idea what the book series was like. Just one Maybe book. Just one book. Just one book. But I just think it's really great when they have to keep saying based on characters created by this person. Yeah. And it's like, it almost has nothing to do with what that oh, was at that point. Not really. By the time it gets to like Shrek 5. It's definitely not like a send-up of fairy tales in the same way that the movies are. Oh, interesting. It's just about this grumpy troll named Shrek. Yeah. Great. Anyway, I don't care about Shrek. It, I actually think the first Shrek movie is actively bad. It's. I think all of them are bad. Well, I haven't seen any, any of the other ones, that. but the first one is pretty terrible. But here's how we need to talk about Shrek. So, memes online... I'm familiar have, with those two. You've maybe heard of them. They've really gotten over the top in a lot of ways. Some people think we're in like a meme golden age because a lot of people know about them. That just but makes it worse, right? There's a lot of trash memes out there. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the SpongeBob memes, pretty solid. Yeah. SpongeBob is so weird and there's so many bizarre situations that they had to draw. I think the trick with SpongeBob is that there are a million quotable moments yeah. in that. Yeah. And all of them are very specific situations. Yep. And the quotes are so readily available in your brain yeah. that when you see that scene, you can hear it. In and the head. absurd, even what they have them wearing, the looks, yep. you know. Yep. Anyway, so SpongeBob memes, great start. For Absolutely. Yes. Shrek, though, I think part of why the Shrek thing is so weird is that there is a genuine love for Shrek among people who are like, I don't know. At least five years younger, younger than, than us. us. People who saw it when they were children, I think, have a genuine nostalgia for it. And everybody our age, I think, sees these memes and is like, oh, I get it. We're doing Shrek memes because Shrek is terrible. Yeah. Like, we're all sar- very sarcastic about it. And I mean, Shrek did win an Oscar, so... <laughs> really? Yeah, it won for Best Animated Film over... I think Monsters, Inc.? Well, that's absurd. It's really stupid. I feel like that had to be one of those things where, like, I mean, it's DreamWorks, so right. So Spielberg was probably just like, it is paying everybody. It is DreamWorks. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But I think also at the time, the Academy thought it was good because it was a send up of all of these fairy yeah. tales, which was novel at the time. I everybody guess everybody was getting too earnest for a while. No one had read any of that one. You remember that one book from back in the day? John Cheska wrote it. He had like Chicken Little with the skies falling, but it's all like really self-referential. Oh, yeah. That does sound really familiar. And Stinky Cheese Man and other yeah, fairy tales. Yeah. They just didn't read that, which came yeah. out in like 1993. Yeah. So anyway, they hadn't seen something that was truly great. Yeah. And they thought Shrek was the good one. And also they hadn't seen like Looney Tunes. Yeah. And Mike Myers <laughs> and Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz were all big at the time. So they loved the what voice cast. Shrek's not great. No. But... Kids it's love it now. To me. It's upsetting to which, me. That, that makes you reflect on your own childhood, right? Yeah. And which ones were, were oh, bad yeah. that well, you Well, I mean, like. I recently saw Robin Hood Men in Tights again. Oof. Does not hold up. That movie is garbage. <laughs> yeah. Does not hold up at all. But that's what I got to I gotta say, though. Everybody, everybody who listens, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. Shrek, is it terrible? How do you read Shrek memes online? Does Maybe it come I'll, across as sarcastic to you? I'll put up a poll. There we go. Put up a poll. Because uh, I don't even know if there's just, anybody who listens who's younger than us. No. But, I know. mean, no one, no one that would probably actively like it in that way. Yeah. But it's like, 
those people are out there. And that, when I learned that, it was baffling to me. That is pretty... Sh- I mean, it is shocking, but I immediately framed it in the reference of people my age loving Hook. Oh, see, I haven't seen that. I always think that about uh, Sandlot. I don't care oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I didn't, didn't see it when I was a kid. Didn't see it at that crucial yeah. time where the, it was very cool. I saw it when I was like 17. Yeah, I saw it in high school as well. And I remember thinking like, mm, good movie. But like not <laughs> yeah. not like a life-changing movie. No. The quotes don't really do it for you in the same way no. where they're insulting each other. Yeah. It's just whatever. I'm sure. I'm trying to think of We're other... probably going to lose all of the rest of our fans that we yeah, have. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to an empty room. Yeah. About I, Shrek. I mean... Definitely, Robin Hood Men in Tights is the one that I've come across the most starkly, I think. Not yeah. that I like loved it when I was a kid. But you remember like being I having fond it. memories of it. There's got to be That's more a lot of Mel Brooks, modern Mel Brooks. Yeah. Basically anything past... Robin Hood Men in Tights was probably... From then on, it was all pretty bad. Yeah. The Snot Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein. Yep. Or even Spaceballs. Which I would argue Spaceballs isn't great. I bet if I, yeah, I liked Spaceballs. There's still and I bet some if funny I, moments, and Rick Moranis is incredibly good. Yeah, but if I watched it again, I would probably not have the same yeah, amount of love for A couple it. laughs, but that's probably it. That probably got rid of the rest of them. But here's the thing. I'm my age, and those are legitimate nostalgia memories. People have nostalgia for Shrek doesn't count, because I was already 13 or whatever at the time. <laughs> so it's bad forever. Got so, it. Uh, so what you're saying is that you're right. I'm the protagonist of reality. <laughs> <laughs> These things are real. So much. 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 So we just found out that both of us watched the movie Burn After Reading. Yes. Within like two days of each other. Was it really? Yeah. Because when did you watch it? Like a month ago. Okay. Nine was two weeks ago. Okay. But close, close enough. Close enough. Two weeks. Cosmically, that's, still... that's very close together. And especially for neither of us talking about it to yeah. each other. Which is almost never happens. Yeah. It was crazy. Lauren was mentioning that she wanted to watch The Big Lebowski. Yep. And I don't have that on DVD. Uh-huh. And it's not on Netflix anymore. Yep. So. But Burn After Reading is. And I also own that on DVD. Oh, perfect. But it's also on Netflix, so we just watched it on Netflix, which should tell you about the redundancy of my DVD collection. Yeah. (laughs) But that's okay. So we watched Burn After Reading. It's Coen Brothers for everybody who, you know, has some familiarity with those guys. I want to... Maybe my favorite directors? I would say from what I've... If I had to guess yours, I I would say them. If you were going to, like, do one of those side cuts of, like, all the sections of my brain. Yeah. There's a big section that is the Coen Brothers. Yep. Which should tell you enough. Also, I've I I've mean, seen every single one of their movies. I was going to say that they're wa- probably one of the only, like, directors who mm-hmm. you specifically have seen all of their movies where I haven't. Yeah. Because there's some that you just kind of see them all anyway, like... You know, like Spike Jones only has like five movies or whatever. Yeah, but I tracked down the Coen Brothers. Yeah, you movies really tracked them down. I actually saw the last one I was waiting to see mm-hmm. for the first time within this last month. Yeah, it was Intolerable Cruelty, which, which I'll get I'll get to later. Yeah. But I want to talk about Burn After Reading first. Ugh. So this is maybe the first time I'd seen this movie since. No, not seeing it in the theater. I saw it once since then, but it has been years. Yeah, and. This might have been the first time I truly got what was going on in the plot. <laughs> yeah. 
Because literally the purpose of the movie is to be convoluted and confusing intentionally. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. all about... It's maybe the most Coen Brothers in that sense. So the Coen Brothers are kind of about... Of it being a comedic send-off of very serious topics, you mean? Let's get into what the Coen... Let's get into the three (laughs) things I think are the most Coen Brothers. Yeah. Complete misunderstandings leading to chaos, basically. Yep. Which I think is the entirety of Burn After Reading. Mm-hmm. Send-ups of local culture. Yeah. So, like, in Fargo, it's all about Minnesota culture. Big Lebowski is all about Los Angeles culture. Mm-hmm. Burn After Reading is DC. Yep. It's all about D- the DC, uh, the working... Oh, Brother Arthas, whatever area of the South that's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, the 1930s South, yeah. kind of in general. And so they're all sort of send-ups of these really specific types of culture. Mm-hmm. Generally. Even, yep. even the serious stuff... Like No Country for Old Men is that's kind of another ball game, but it's also has one of the other things, which is miscommunications mm-hmm. or misinformation leading to these huge explosive misunderstandings, mm-hmm. which or violence always pushes the plot forward in a Coen Brothers movie, mm-hmm. almost no matter what. Yep. Even if it's a funny movie, yeah, that's still the case. So, Burn After Reading is literally the entire movie. Something happens. Someone else doesn't understand what they have yeah. in the what their situation is, and they drive forward with it anyway because they have things that they want. Yeah. So in this, basically, somebody gets fired from the from the CIA state department somewhere, the State Department, and they're writing a memoir, which yeah. <laughs> a memoir is, yeah. is, describes it. Yeah. And that gets stolen or gets misplaced by someone's cleaning lady yeah. basically and the people at the gym get it and they decide they're going to blackmail this guy yeah for what turns out to be his memoir instead it's completely of, worthless yeah is that like his financials basically yeah because his wife is trying to divorce him yeah so it's this huge misunderstanding mm-hmm. and a bunch of other characters get involved there's mm-hmm. a guy who is sleeping with that guy's wife which is why she wants a divorce that it's guy also ends mess. up sleeping with the woman who's trying to blackmail the guy. Yeah. And that's kind of the big web that they weave. And nobody gets what they want. Yeah. Sort of. And there's not really a protagonist. Nope. No one is truly the hero. And no nope. one really gets anything that they deserve or don't deserve. Stuff just happens. Yeah. And, and the framework of it is the CIA trying to figure out why this happened. <laughs> yeah. And... Which Who are I, these people? Yeah. This guy trying to basically explain it to his boss. Yes. So I think essentially this entire movie is a setup for the punchline of a joke. Yeah. So the, whole, the whole movie is this giant misunderstanding and the probably the best payoff in any Coen Brothers movie, uh-huh. which is saying something for a movie that literally makes no sense. Yeah. Is it, the yeah. The best payoff is... This guy talking to his boss and trying to describe the situation, mm-hmm. and the boss trying to come up with a lesson for this, yeah. and they and literally he's like, "We learned nothing." Yeah. Well, he's like, "What is going on?" And what do we learn? What do we learn from this one? I don't know. Maybe don't, don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we learned. And so he learns nothing. But that's such a funny moment. Yeah. For this movie that is ultimately very dark. Yes. And very almost grim in its com- comedic sensibility. Well, and that's what I think makes because they're it- all very self-absorbed and that's what i think makes it a great example of the coen brothers whole comedy thing is because another thing that they like to do a lot is take people who are very self-important and self-absorbed and self-absorbed and 
ultimately they all seem smart like they use big words all the time yeah they they talk in a way that's very unusual a lot like of the, the main time. like the main character in our brother art though for example yeah george clooney gets actually pegged in these a lot yeah he, in, he's very good for it he is good for it he's actually in this one is the, probably the second of they kind of have what they call the idiot trilogy yeah with him yeah and so and the first one is oh brother where art thou yep the second one is burn after reading yep and the third one is hail caesar oh yeah and on all three of them he plays this big dumb idiot yeah even if he's not necessarily the protagonist although intolerable cruelty he's also sort of the protagonist yeah and but they always give him one thing that he's really obsessed with like vainly mm-hmm in Intolerable Cruelty, he's obsessed with his, his how, the whiteness of his teeth. <laughs> yeah. In O Brother Arthur, he's obsessed with his hair and so the pomade. Yeah. He, like, risks death to get pomade. He's a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> yeah. And in Hail Caesar, I think he's just a big dumb idiot. Yeah. Well, and what in in uh, Burn After Reading, what I think is oh, great. Oh, he, he's always getting a run in. That's the thing for... He's what? He's Oh, I, yeah. He's got to go for maybe, jog. Maybe I can get a run in. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think what makes Burn After Reading part of what makes it so great is that... So they're doing this pretty typical making these self-important high kind of high up people yeah. seem kind of like regular idiots yes totally and part of what makes it great is that they're all like state department yeah dudes and like george clooney's character works for the secret service or something something like that and he worked for them for, for a while now he's doing something else but he, he always yeah. brags about he makes it makes a lot of comments about how he never had to use his weapon yes you know which and pays so, off later in the movie and so i think for the whole thing it's almost like it's enough of a spy movie. Yeah. Where it's the people who should, in a typical spy movie, who would be like the people behind the scenes, knowing what's Pulling going on. Everybody thinks that's what's going on. Yes. Everybody thinks that the helicopter that's flying over their head is after them. Which is actually also send up in this movie. And so, but in reality, those people have no idea what's going on. Yes. Because people's real lives are unnecessarily complicated, and you can't just look at a brief little thing like of oh this person's sleeping with this person they must be using them for information from this other guy yeah it's like no they just it's just a small town they were just being stupid they just wanted to sleep with that person so they did that's Uh, actually i think this whole movie is sort of a a send-up of people who think conspiracy theories are real yeah because everything in this movie and I think the Coen brothers as a whole are probably the biggest skeptics of conspiracy theories in general because literally their whole ethos is people do dumb things because they're self-absorbed. Yep. And then that has consequences for other people. Yep. And sometimes that seems like nefarious, but it's really not. Yeah. And it might kill you. Yes. Even though it wasn't, it, nobody meant it to be that bad. Yes. It just happened that way. Even in The Big Lebowski's, oh, basically that too. Mm-hmm. There's no real point. Yep. Nothing really happens. The the consequences a lot of times are way beyond what it should have been. Yes. Even for you. There's so many situations in these movies where people, even like if you think of uh, like No Country for Old Men. Yeah, I was going to Where these say that people too. kind of, they know that, oh, this is all over like $50,000 and you're going to kill me for it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and it's just because I knew that this set happened. Well, because he stumbles into it. He, yep. d- he doesn't know that this, that money's going to be there. He didn't I, kill anybody yeah. to get it. He just saw the money. He, yeah. he followed the blood trail and yep. he found the money. And I just think of like his girlfriend at the end and she's like telling his wife. His wife. Yeah. He's talking to Anton Chigurh and he's just like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't really matter that this is super unfair. Yeah. 
uh it's gonna happen yeah totally and that's, that's kind of why they have so many characters in their movies that are stand-ins for basically the concept of death yeah or the devil or whatever totally and, and even oh stand-ins for the devil i was gonna say there are three movies where they do that one very mm-hmm. well boy i'm really sounding like i'm <laughs> teaching a college class or something yeah here. but they have it in raising arizona yep which is pretty great yeah different whole different kind of comedy thing there's, i feel we'll like the main characters we'll have more intentions one. for that but yeah. that's okay they have a devil-esque character yep uh pure evil yep and then in No Country for Old Men, they also mm-hmm. have that. Anton Chigurh is literally like a personification of the devil in some yeah. way. And in Fargo, the Swedish guy. Oh, I thought you were going to say Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I was going to say that one too, yeah. actually, because I, I just thought of that as well. But, I think did, that, I but think... the difference is that in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the guy who may be a stand-in for the actual devil mm-hmm. doesn't do a lot. That's true. He just shows up at the end and he's ready to hang him. Which I think is the coolest one. It is very cool. That they basically get away with it. Yeah. And he's basically like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't care. Yep. Like, I don't care if it's fair or not. And this is happening. It's also really interesting that they have the Robert Johnson-esque character with them. Yeah. The guy who sold his soul to the devil to be good at guitar. Yep. And he's there and he's like, crap, he's... I'm paying up now. Yeah. And he he wasn't involved with the situation of escaping from prison. It doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. Guy doesn't care. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so I think, but in Fargo, the guy, the personification of evil, mm-hmm. which is the Swedish guy, just does these things because it's practical. Evil is practical. Yeah. In that sense. It's sort of, and that's actually what's so great about Fargo. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do just a whole episode on Fargo, yeah, but I will say will. that that's one of the things that's so great about Fargo is it's sort of the, the people who have the most agency in Fargo are the ones who are the most practical, which is a very Minnesota thing. Yeah. That the, the villain that actually gets anything done mm-hmm. is the Swedish guy mm-hmm. versus Sibushemi's kind of evil, where yeah. he's just dumb. He's more he's, emotional. He's lazy. He's, he's more emotional, yeah, too. Yeah, he's more emotional, and he's lazier. He just wants to take the quickest route because mm-hmm. he just doesn't care about people. Yeah. And then versus William H. Macy's character, who is very dumb and... Cowardly. Cowardly, exactly. And then versus... Also lazy. Yeah. Versus the... Versus Marge Gunderson... Mm-hmm. Who is good and practical? Mm-hmm. She gets things done because she is smart in a very practical way. Mm-hmm. So, man, I could talk about the Coen Brothers for days. Yeah. Okay. But there's so many good things in all these movies yeah. that. Let's work our way back to Burn After Reading because there's so much out of it that I love. Oh yeah, sure. My favorite part of Burn After Reading is Brad Pitt's character. Oh, very so, good. So in the movie, um, what's the woman's name? Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand plays uh, this woman who works in the gym, and she is kind of trying to use this situation to try to get money out of it, so she, she wants can to get plastic surgery. She wants plastic surgeries because she, she wants to that, be beautiful. Well, she does. Yeah, and also she she thinks it'll be good for her job because she works at this place, and yeah. she's like taking this body as far as I can get. I yeah. need to do some. Tucks. And she's always complaining about the guys in the city and how. You know, oh, yeah, she's, she's like also dating. unlucky in love because yeah. she's doing weird online so dating. So her kind of sidekick-esque person is a guy who also works in the gym, played by Brad Pitt. And who might be the dumbest character that the Coen brothers have ever... Absolutely. In a, in a movie. Other than the guy from The Lady Killers, which you don't have to... Haven't seen it. Whatever. It's, uh, but his character is so vacantly dumb. Yeah, it's awesome. He's always working out. 
He he's like a dog. He is actually that's a great comparison. He's he's he like takes his bike places that don't make any sense. Like he, they're gonna do like a like a swap of information for money. Well, you know the blackmail thing. The blackmail situation. plot. He brings his bike there instead he rides of like his bike driving. There. Uh, or like he'll, he'll be going for a jog all the time. Like like uh, the woman calls him and he like jogs over there. No, he's, he's like, he, why do you? Take he so does long? take his bike, and then there's a really great situation where he's like, "You got anything to drink with electrolytes?" <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's like going through a fridge and trying to, and oh, I've got water from the tap. <laughs> and it's just there's so many. He's like scenes. Bane in a very dumb. There's so many way. scenes where he'll. My favorite is when he's in the car. Yeah, and he's he's got these headphones on, and he's listening to music, and he's like watching. This like very serious stuff go down. Yeah, and he's just like doing this little dance <laughs> with just like, like it's a very contained like a dance. finger pointing. Yeah, it's just yeah. like his. It's contained within like the space that his body is already taking up. Yes, he's just because he can't help himself. Yeah, or like he'll be talking to he'll be trying to do this blackmail thing. Yeah, and he <laughs> he looks over to this guy who gets in the car. Or he gets in the car with this other guy, yeah. and he looks over at him, and it's like a very pleasant look. Yeah. And then he remembers that he's trying to blackmail him, and he changes his look to be all serious and Osborne trying Cox. to be threatening, and it doesn't work at all. It's very good. I think that's one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances also. For sure. He's very good. Oh, I love it. And it's almost like this guy has got life all figured out. Kind of. This guy's so way. happy all the time, and and it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like you'd be kind of jealous of him, yeah. But then he puts himself into this situation where he's just so over in over his head, and he like all the characters in this movie are yeah. in over their heads. Well, and it's and he gets into it. So Man. Frances McDormand, she has these problems that she's trying to solve, yeah. And he partially gets in it for her, but I think he mostly gets into it because it's he thinks it's spy stuff, yes. and, and he, he thinks, thinks it's cool. He thinks he can succeed at spy stuff, yeah. Because there's no world in which he hasn't ever succeeded because he, he's stayed in his lane which think, is just yeah. being fit <laughs> yeah and i think he's bored probably yeah honestly you know so it's just uh, one I of the best it. parts is that at the end you don't get any grasp of what happens to every you don't see what happens to everybody uh-huh. you see them as they're about to get to their final destinations mm-hmm. and so in the end when the guy's describing where all these characters are at yeah he's like Oh, she said that she'll cooperate, but she wants all this money for plastic surgery. And he's like, how much? Never mind. Just give it to her. Just give it to her. Yeah. <laughs> and so or, she gets what she wants. Yeah. Or like one of them, like uh, one of them is trying to like escape the country. Yeah. And it's like, well, he was trying to get on a plane to Venezuela. Not really sure why. Uh, uh, it's probably because we have no we, extradition with Venezuela. We, we Well, we detained him. And why? <laughs> you know, just let him leave. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, okay. So he got away. Yeah. And it's, uh, Basically. It's, they, and, and they just take these too. bodies and sweep them under the rug. And it shows the the authorities as also being incredibly lazy. Well, not even lazy. Tr- they just don't have enough information. And they just don't want anything to come back to them. Yes. You know? Everyone's in it to like, keep their job. Like, somebody gets killed and thrown in the ocean. And, like, it's like, so we took him out. And, like, oh, don't do that. Throw him back in. You know? Like, throw him back in the ocean. Oh, Nobody yeah. knows who this guy is. Get rid of him. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. Uh, I don't good. know. And I think it's... It's cynical. Part of why I like it is that it's very cynical in a way that I enjoy. Yeah. Like, it kind of... Because people have... Even if it being a send-up of a spy movie... Yep. And it being about all these DC people and how yeah. they're all these high-up figures. And it's like, they're just people, too. Yep. And they all just love gossip. And they all 
have personal problems. Can we talk about that in the context of the bigger Coen Brothers universe? Yeah. What does that say about the Coen Brothers, do you feel? Like, thinking of their other movies that you've seen I as think, well. I think they're very skeptical of a lot of institutions. Yeah. And even, like, when you look at the ones that they have about um, A Serious Man, is that it? Yep. Where they're clearly somewhat skeptical of like organized religion sure they seem to be pretty skeptical of the government yep. or even like oh brother where art thou yeah the governor's race oh like yeah a huge part of the movie and they're all just these morons yep and they're clearly just taking advantage of the situation yeah totally they're not like good people but at the same time they seem like they like people don't they yeah well and or or uh so like hudsucker proxy is clearly very skeptical of like a corporate institution sure you know and i think part of it is but they, but people are good ultimately yeah. there are some i think they really do believe in a good and evil in a sense mm-hmm. but i think that good and evil comes from the idea that people make decisions that people have kind of this no matter what your situation you have you have choices you can make mm-hmm. and that choices that people make are the choice are what kind of constitute whether you are a good person or a bad person yeah don't you well, think? I think so. Well, and even within these movies, you know, that have these things that they're kind of being cynical about, yeah. I think they all have... So even like uh, Fargo, for example, yeah. it's almost like the setting there is, you know, it's like Minnesota, yep. like small town, the culture that they're in. Yes. And it's clearly very kind of cynical about that. It's But the, yeah. the, the, the people who are in it, like Marge or um, Gunderson, yep. or um, what's the guy... William H. Macy's William character. William H. Macy's character. They kind of are both in the same kind of situation, and they both deal with it very differently. Yeah, totally. And I think that's it. It's all kind of about, okay, so this is the situation. It sucks. We all know. Yep. But what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And it, people and who are lazy and uh, or dumb about it, I guess. People who avoid doing the, well. Avoid and, trying to improve it, I guess. Yeah, well, and I, I think that it's really that people are responsible for their own situation mm-hmm. somewhat. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got... Even go back to Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. The, it's these two characters who are... One of them is a career criminal. Mm-hmm. And one of them is his parole officer. Yep. And they end up... You know, even though he's a criminal, they make a happy life for themselves yep. by, you know, getting married. And yep. they, they he, find... He gives up crime. Yeah, exactly. For her. Yep. And that's a choice that he makes. And, you know, it's a limited situation. They're still poor. Yeah. But... They have the ability to make some choices for themselves that set themselves up. And so when they steal a baby, mm-hmm. obviously that's a bad, you know, yeah. and they pay the consequences for it yeah. somewhat. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like they, and like that, and like Fargo, and even like think of like Barton Fink. Have you ever seen Barton Fink? Yeah, a long time ago. So he's a writer and he's kind of a big city guy who, you know, it's all about the art and who's going to write a story for the common people. Mm-hmm. But he basically totally ignores the common people. Yeah. And he can't get his script done because of it. Yeah. And he ends up like getting into this big crazy situation because he wasn't listening to the guy who basically represents the common people. Mm, yeah. And there's not a lot of meaning to it other than that, but just looking at it from a character arc or even the big Lebowski, mm-hmm. you know, he just wants, he's just Zen. He just wants to do his thing. Mm-hmm. He just wants everyone to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. And the more he gets into doing this sometimes questionable stuff, the worse mm-hmm. things are for him. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a, a morality. Yeah. I just don't think it follows the traditional morality of what we consider. Honestly, I think it is almost a more traditional 
morality than what you most see in most movies, though. Yeah. Because a lot of the times, I just think they, it, Coen Brothers, they have a very strong sense of, like, good and evil being a thing, even. Yeah. And, like, they're clearly taking a side. Yeah. On each of these individual people. But I think what makes it different is that they're not trying to say that you know the government is necessarily good or evil yeah and that one of the characters is on the side of the government it's usually there's people who are kind of on both sides of like the the traditional uh, on being like the side of various institutions or being against various institutions sure so you like oh brother where art thou there's a lot of people in the movie who are representative of kind of the government and there's a lot of criminals yep and there's examples on both sides of there being good people and bad people yeah you know and so or people who are seen by society as being good or bad I and think then they are of... revealed as bad like the guy the governor candidate who's actually in the clan yeah and i think i think that's maybe part of it what they're trying to tear down a little bit is the preconceptions that people always have yeah. of who is good and who is bad. Yeah, totally. Like that's why like Fargo is such an interesting one mm-hmm. because everyone thinks that it's mocking Minnesota, mm-hmm. but ultimately the people that they that you think that they're mocking are actually really good people. Mm-hmm. Marge mm-hmm. and you know and like the and even the really dumb stereotypes of like those two girls who sleep with the bad guys. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like they're just there. Yeah. And they're pretty goofy. It's the yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the people that are, they're, they're good and they're making good decisions. Yeah. You're right. It's definitely a, you can't judge people on their face for what they are, for the situation that they're in. Yeah. So I, that, that's probably a, as good a summation as you could get. Yeah. And that's also, even yeah. like, well, and even pulling it back to burn after reading. Mm-hmm. That's just a movie of all bad characters. Yeah. All of them are, all of them they're make bad decisions. Bad. Yeah. And and there no it's weird because there's no good guys in the same way that Fargo has a clear yeah uh, hero yeah and what I think is interesting too the what I think makes their sense of morality kind of old school yeah is that it is very judgment based not yeah, like it's that, true. not that people judge each other but just the idea even all the representations that they have of like death or the devil yeah. or whatever and there's they, everyone seems is, to get what's coming to yeah, them. Yeah, it is kind of set up that there is negative consequences for your actions. Some of it is to other people. In Burn After Reading, it seems to almost entirely be that the negative consequences to your actions just happen to other people in a way that they take as being seemingly random. Sure. Or, or they, I would they say, chalk it up to being evil, but it's yes. just bad luck. Like, for example, the one person that I won't spoil it, we'll sure, say yeah. it in broad terms, yeah. but the guy who gets shot yeah. in the middle of the movie is get shot because he's because he's in a in a bad spot that he put himself in. Yep. Yep. And at the same time, kind of everyone else also you can I think it's that they you see the decisions they make to get to the point they're at where they face punishment. Yep. Or they face reward. Yep. And the punishment seems to come directly because of their actions. Yeah. And the reward seems to be almost at random. Yeah. Any reward seems to be at random. Yeah. Which I think is yeah, that's kind which, of a which probably combo. feels very cynical. Yeah, but at the same time, it's very satisfying to watch it because is. we like to see the natural progression of something, mm-hmm. but we also like to see characters rewarded. And I also think it's just satisfying because that's a view of life that me and you can both get on board with. Sure, you know that's why I love that, the Coen Brothers. Yeah, so much. just that like you know, it, there's a lot more nuance to it. Yes. in the sense that. Yeah, like, good stuff and bad stuff happens to people. Yep. It's not always going to be one-to-one on what you did in totally. your life. Yes. You know? Like, people are going to have 
bad situations that had nothing to do with yes. them. But, and also, but they're also sometimes yeah. some sometimes people set themselves up for it. And exactly. not to say that anyone who's going through a bad situation set themselves yeah, up for it. But that's that's what's but good about it. You can see but sometimes you can see where you went wrong. Oh yeah. And and you know, and sometimes these characters fix it and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people get away with stuff. Exactly. That they shouldn't have got away with. Yep. But but then overall there is still a sense that there is a reason not that it would be the only time that you would do it, yeah. But like that kind of like doing good in the long run, kind of pays off. Yeah, totally. Not all the time, but it's still you know that making the right that making good decisions is worth it in itself. Even if it doesn't benefit you, yeah, it's going to benefit somebody. Totally. So I think so. there is. You're right. There's some morality in there. Yeah. Which is a tough thing to look at through burn after reading because there's no yeah. like like I said there's no there's no protagonist this in a real way. F- I I want to say it's the least of all of those that has any kind of cuz there's yeah like you said there's no good guys. There's no there are likable characters but yeah. they're not good. Nobody makes really uh nobody makes selfless choices. Let me yes. put it that way. Everybody's very selfish. Yep. And honestly, maybe that's what they were trying to say about you know DC the and DC in the you know the that world yep. kind of. What's well, also funny is that it's it's become such a at the time there was already they were talking about misinformation. Mm-hmm. There is sort of a send up of the Bush era. Yeah, and getting into the Iraq War under false pretenses and stuff yep. like that. Yep, and and just the excessive level of surveillance. The fact that they were even looking in on these people at all. Yeah, was totally. Absurd. Yes, it's, it was supposed to be really a send up of that, uh-huh. but it really really seems good now. Uh-huh. Due to how often the truth is, well, who told it to you? Yeah, everyone. That seems to be like people tend to just bully. There, there's not so much of a, a faith in institutions in the same way. Mm-hmm. Even less so than there has been in the past. Yeah. So I think it really hits that really well. Yeah, I think they kind of get ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And even when you look at you know those people who work for the CIA or State Department or whatever in the movie. Yeah, even you know now that's all stuff in the polit- in the news now of like people do or do not trust these various FBI figures. This is the first time that anyone has known anyone working in the FBI. Yeah, right by name. Yeah, and so like I think that fits this so much better than it fits how the fbi is depicted in you know the born identity or something oh absolutely or any other movie they've never been this big shadowy organization in that way yeah they they're clearly as incompetent as literally anyone else they're or as competent as the people working there yeah exactly which is to say that there are people who make errors and do dumb things and there's also people who like set up uh you know maybe trying to assassinate fidel castro yeah you know i mean there's always been some people who are doing both yeah and I don't know. I think so. John Malkovich is the guy who gets fired and yes. is writing his memoirs. Unbelievably pretentious. Yes. Even for John Malkovich. Yeah. Like it's it's nuts. He owns a sailboat and he's trying to write his memoir. Memoir. And they really play that up. That's it's so great. Good. I think if people really, I think that's part of what's great about it too is that there's so much of. I just think of there was a uh, and this is and maybe this is getting a little bit too political, but like okay. there was a thing of Antonin Scalia, yeah. When he, somebody was interviewing him and he was talking about torture. Oh yeah. And he basically said, uh, "Man, uh, torture works. Look at Twenty Four. He basically oh referenced a TV show as a as 
a reason to at least even say that torture works. Regardless, I don't know how how he was saying it, regardless of how legal it should be. Yeah. But he was basically saying, like, well, it works, you know. And so it's like... It's so terrifying. The things that people watch really do affect what they think is happening. Yeah. It, it, or, like, when you talk about the CSI thing, about how there's more people been murdered in various... New York versions of CSI than there are actual murders in Manhattan. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like in all of the five boroughs, probably. Yeah, and so it, well, and I think it was specifically like the place where it was set. I don't oh remember. yeah, sure. but anyway, yep. like, and that affects what people think about like crime, you know. And totally. so I think if people were willing to look at something like Burn After Reading and say. I don't know. Even if it's not, let's say there's nobody in Burnett in real life who works at the State Department who's this dumb. Yeah, probably isn't. But it should just balance it out a little bit and make people think, oh, these are just like regular people. Mm-hmm. They're not either the devil or a super genius. Mm-hmm. They're just regular people. Maybe we should just think about that while we <laughs> let them decide who lives or dies. Yeah, for sure. A little bit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That seems. That doesn't seem like too controversial of an idea. Someone will make that controversial because it's about politics, and that's yeah. just how it works. Which is fine. It's charged. Um, but really, I guess the real point is that you should just watch Coen Brothers movies yeah. all the time. And Burn After Reading is on Netflix. It is. Pretty easy to get a hold of that. Yep. Uh, Check it out. And then, it's pretty funny. It's not too long No, either. it's not too bad. Watch, go watch that, and in the future, we'll do a Fargo episode. We'll probably tackle each... Each movie as it, as we see them. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there's quite a few of these movies that are extremely good. There's 17 so. of them, and I would say 12 of them are very good. Yeah, I don't know. They, they're and they're I don't know. They're just they have an unusual perspective. I think there's really nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs>